With the 14th, 15th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Journey to Draft podcast presented by AAA. I am Chris McPherson, alongside two of my most favorite people Aww. in the entire world. Alex Smith, who you just heard there, See as well as Fran Duffy. Gentlemen. So, we got a lot to get into on this week's edition of the podcast, the first post-free agency edition, and now the mock drafts come out, and they're taking what happened over the weekend into consideration. So I feel like we're starting to really get the more realistic view of what we're going to be seeing in the weeks to come, what I think teams will actually target. Because before free agency, there's all these holes, there's all these question marks. You don't know which big-name guy is going to land where. We've seen what the Eagles did the last couple days by adding Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith and bringing back guys like Stefan Wisniewski and Najee Good and you know Adam Ch- Chance Warmack mm-hmm. to the mix as well. Nick Foles. Nick Foles coming back Monday morning on the two-year deal. So the Eagles have really taken care of a lot of the gaping holes in the roster, mm-hmm. but still some, uh, still some positions that they're going to need to address in the weeks to come. I think at this point, you're looking toward the draft for those answers. Yeah, I mean, I, we talk about it all the time. Teams always say that you know they really want to build through the draft, but you can also find you know a lot of really good players through free agency as well. And the Eagles really hit on one of those positions of need, looking at the wide receiver position, uh, signing Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith. So they they did a little bit to fill that. Still could go that way in the draft. I assume they still will that go will go that way at some point in the draft. But now that free agency is kind of settling down, we have a much better picture of all the the needs that teams have around the league. Yeah, and obviously the, the biggest thing is you go into the draft not hamstrung at any one spot. And obviously, look, they, they do need to add some bodies of corner. Uh, we're only, what, just under four days into the free agency period right now. So uh, we'll see if some additions are made before the draft. But either way, I still don't think that when they get there at 14 that they say, well, we need to draft a corner right now. I don't think that's the mindset. Uh, and that's a good thing. That's the, that's the way it should be approached. And uh, really excited about the direction because you see a lot of these the, – the best part about all these additions – is the team got better for 2017, and it's not. And if some of those additions don't work out, it does not hurt you for 2018 and beyond. And that's really kind of the best part of what you saw with all of those deals. All right, so we'll get first into draft buzz, latest news and notes from around the league. We'll then get into pick six. This week's theme: six players who remind us of current Eagles are Mister Relevant. Since this is the first post-free agency edition. We're going to bring on our good friend Tommy Lawler, writes for PhiladelphiaEagles.com, has his own site, Eagles Blitz, and basically he's going to take an Eagles-centric view of what he thinks the team needs to do in the coming weeks, looking at the draft. Our unofficial visit, the man from Troy, Antonio Garcia. We had a chance to catch up with him at the Senior Bowl, and then your questions in our draft mailbag. But first, Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. By far, the biggest story to come out of the weekend is that of Sidney Jones, the talented corner from Washington, rupturing his Achilles on the last drill, the last rep during the defensive back drills at the Pro Day at Washington. A mid-first-round prospect, most likely. Mock drafts had him going to the Eagles. And now, all of a sudden, we don't know where he will land 
with an injury that's going to keep him out all of the 2017 season. Yeah, it, it was. It's, I mean, it's it's a shame. It, regardless of how you felt about Sidney Jones, whether you thought he was, you know, the the best corner in the draft, like our friend Teron Davenport, or whether you were lower on him and thought he was not even a top five corner in the draft, you you know that he's a talented player. But more importantly, uh, it's it's it sucks for the, yeah. for the for the kid. You know, for his opportunity to uh, to go high in the draft and change his life. And obviously he still will be able to, to change his life with whatever amount of money is thrown his way in throughout the process. But, uh, really, really unfortunate. I, I can't imagine though, that he's drafted before the the third round. Right. I mean, uh, just looking at the, the, to me, the thing that hurts him is that how deep this corner class is. Correct. If you're looking at a corner that would have gone in ground three, that people are looking at as a second round talent, if you're weighing positives and negatives, I don't know that you're going to take the guy coming off the Achilles with no rehab done yet, and you don't know how it's updated uh, over a guy that's completely healthy. Yeah, and it seems like every year there's you know one or two of these situations that pop up where a guy is doing a drill at his pro day that he's probably run thousands of times in his life. He, you know, nothing different than any other any other drill where he's just turning around and you know popping out of his stance and something goes wrong. So. Um, you know, there's like I said, there's always situations like this. The question is, how far down does he fall? Um, because the talent obviously is, is is still there. He's still a really talented cornerback, but how much will an injury like this linger throughout his career is the big question. It's intriguing because let's go back to last year. Jalen Smith, the talented linebacker out of Notre Dame, tore his knee up. You know, in the bowl game, you know, nerve damage. On top of it, he was still selected high in the second round by the Cowboys. But he has drop foot and may have to wear a brace to be able to play and may never be the same player. Yep. So you have that situation there. I go back to Ifo Ekpre Olamu, yeah. the Oregon corner from a couple of years ago who tore his ACL late in the season. And again, this is the ACL. It's not even the Achilles. It was hard to even find something comparable to what Sidney Jones is going through. But I don't know if Ekpre Olamu was ever really a first-round talent. Right, yeah. But he fell all the way to the seventh round and – towards other ACL in his time with the Miami Dolphins since yep. that's happened. You know, you have some other positions where, like Cedric Obwehi, the same year as Ekbre Olmo, still was drafted in the first round, even though he had an ACL tear in his bowl game. So the position is going to factor into it. But you wonder if teams are going to be less likely to take these redshirt guys, these yeah. guys who you know, like San Francisco made it very popular for a little bit of time. For, and then none of them worked out. And that's the thing. Yeah. That's exactly right. You had uh, you had the kid from Florida State, the the defense Tank Carradine. You had Brandon yep. Thomas. You had Marcus Lattimore. Yep. You had uh, the receiver from Georgia Tech, um, who I can't remember his name off the top of my head at the moment. But you had four or five, you know, quote unquote, red shirt guys mm-hmm. that the Forty ers drafted in over a three or four year span, and none of them turned into players. Now, kind of coincidence. Maybe it could be the program they went to and of all that. Um, but you know, remains to be seen what what is going to happen with Sidney Jones' draft file. You mentioned some of the guys that still went high. Well, even Miles Jack, what was that, last year? Sure. I mean, he was looked at as a top 10 pick. He ends up, when did he get hurt in the process? Uh, October. Okay, so he ends, up, yep. he ends up going beginning of the second round. Uh, still could be a talented player, but we just we just don't know yet. So, uh, again, there, there's cases like this that happen every year, and it, it, it's terrible. All right, so speaking of mock drafts, let's look at one from our good friend from Rotor World, Josh Norris. At number 14, he has the Eagles taking a cornerback. Not much of a surprise after what the Eagles did at wide receiver and free agency. But it's not one who's been really mentioned in the first-round discussion to this point. Gary Conley yep. out of Ohio State. 
Uh, interesting name, and he put in the in the piece that he's hearing a lot of buzz on his on him coming into uh, this stage of the process. He had a good performance at the combine, tested very very well across the board. Uh, you know, we were, we were talking about a guy who's a two year starter for Greg Schiano at Ohio State. Uh, can play inside, can play outside. You know, I don't know that he's the fourteenth best player in the draft, and that, and that's really the big thing that it comes to me is you know is he. You know, a, a worthy of a top fifteen pick. I, I don't know that, that that that's the case right now. I've only watched two games of Conley. Still have a lot more work to do. Um, certainly an intriguing talent from what I've seen in the small sample size. But uh, I'm not sure that I'm on that boat yet. At that high in the draft. Yeah, I, th- I thought there were a couple interesting facts from uh, Josh Norris's mock draft. One that he has John Ross going in the top ten. Yeah, I think he has him at number nine to Cincinnati, and I think he had Corey Davis number eight. I think they were back to back eight or nine as the first receivers off the board. Uh, but no Dalvin Cook in the first round in Josh's mock draft. Has Alvin Kamara in there instead? What top are you guys ten. On that? Yeah, he has him at number ten right, yeah. to the Bills. He has been. He's he's said a couple times that he's hearing that he could be the first running back off the board, Alvin Kamara, and it doesn't. Look, I've said for a long time now, I think that Dalvin Cook will be, because everyone's all, a lot of the local media now is on the Dalvin Cook uh, train to the Eagles at 14 after the, the initial run of free agency. I think that it's more likely that Dalvin Cook goes closer to the Eagles' second pick than he does to their first. Wow. That's, I've said that since, like, you know, December that I feel that that would be the case. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. One other interesting note, Kevin King. In the first round of Josh Norris' <laughs> mock draft. Sheesh. Uh, no, I'm actually curious. Did you though, pass that, out when you saw that? I got, I got pretty excited. Yes, <laughs> I did. No, but in all seriousness, with Sidney Jones, I wonder if Sidney Jones' injury is going to affect Kevin King's draft stock. Hmm. And, and I, I don't know that it should, but I wonder if people are going to start turning their attention maybe a little bit more to Kevin King, going back, watching the tape, uh, and taking a closer look at him. I just wonder if that's going to bump him up a little bit. Well, at the very least, it bumps him up one corner sure, spot. You sure, know, at the very, You hate to put it that way, but at the very least, it does that. Plus, King had a phenomenal combine mm-hmm. of course, on top probably of Probably the best so. of, any, of any player. So, let's look at some big boards, okay? Yeah. We'll look at some of the NFL.com analysts. Daniel Jeremiah, for instance, he has Charles Harris being one of his big winners. Yep. Moving up 16 spots all the way up to number 19 on the big board. Another edge rusher, Hassan Reddick from Temple, was another one of the winners, going up 15 spots to number 26. Wow. And a corner who you like, Chidobia Woozy, going from unranked to number 39. Uh, I love all three players. I love Charles Harris. And it's interesting that he makes that rise, goes up 16 spots. He had a bad combine. Te- athletically, like testing-wise, he's a good athlete on film, but uh, testing-wise, he did not test very well. I love Charles Harris on tape. I think he's a top 15 player in the draft, top 20 player in the draft. So uh, to see him go up to number 19 on DJ's board is not surprising at all. Who does he remind you of? Uh, I, don't, I don't know who he reminds me of. What I will say is that his big knock is run defense, and that, that's, that's fair. I think you know, he does need to get better as a run defender. What I will say is that he's a little bit undersized from what you would typically want in a 4-3 DN, but on, you know, like a guy like a Dwight Freeney, he is so explosive off the ball, and he's got the ability to win inside with the counter move. He, does, he has a really good spin move like Dwight Freeney did. Freeney was smaller, and they're not, I'm not saying they're exactly the same player, but from a skill set standpoint, from a guy that in, in, general, you know, in general terms, he's a little bit of an undersized rusher that can get upfield, really good first step, but also win inside as well. He's a really, really fascinating player. The first step quickness made me think of Vinnie Curry yeah. to an extent even. So some of the biggest fallers, Sidney Jones, obviously, Ryan Ramchek, offensive tackle, Deshaun Kaiser, yep. the Notre Dame quarterback, and Tease Tabor, 
the Florida corner, who at one point was a popular mock pick to the Eagles at 14. Yeah, and Kaiser, everyone was talking about as potential QB number one. You know, at this point, we'll say three months ago, four months ago, uh, and it's not you know not surprising to see him kind of fall. Uh, based off a lot of the reports that have come out uh, about Deshaun Kaiser. And Tease Tabor, like you said, was a guy that everybody was talking about uh, in the top 15 and potentially to the Eagles with their 14th pick. Uh, another guy tested poorly, did not have a good combine at all. And you, you can rank that with position, or you can uh, value that differently at different positions. At corner, you'd like to see a guy test pretty well at corner. Athletic, athletic, athletic ability, pretty important at that position. Yeah, and a lot of people say trust the tape, but when your cornerback runs, I think he ran like a 4-6 at the combine. It's just not going to get it done, yep. you know, for the most part at the NFL level. So, uh, obviously, the 40 means a ton to these cornerbacks, and Tabor obviously didn't do that well. All right, so Jeremiah did a top 50. Lance Zierlein, who we've had on the podcast here before, did a big board with his top 32. And in this edition, he really didn't have huge shifts from one way to the other. The biggest riser for him was edge rusher Tack McKinley from UCLA going to number 24, previously at number 30. Explosive edge rusher didn't test as well as people thought because you know he's a he's a pretty dynamic athlete when you watch him uh, on tape the last two years can, is explosive off the ball ro- really raw with his hands you know I mentioned that first step quickness with Charles Harris Charles Harris is a technician I mean that guy knows how to attack offensive linemen uh, McKinley's a little bit greener with his hands and that's going to be the big issue with him also with the shoulder surgery he's going to get uh, surgery on that torn labrum uh, so interesting to see that Lance has him rising from thirty to twenty four in his list. All right, so two of the big fallers on the list, another edge rusher, Tim Williams from Alabama, falling to number 31, was previously number 20, and then Malik McDowell, the Michigan State interior defensive lineman, going from the top 10, number 9, to number 17 overall. Yep. Two freak show athletes that a lot of the issues people have are off the field. So uh, interesting that both guys have that going for them in, the, in this list. All right, that's going to do it for us in Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Pick 6. Six players who remind us of current Eagles. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, so our task this week in Pick 6 was to take six prospects in this year's draft and compare them to current Eagles. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year. I, I love this Pick 6 every, every year. <laughs> yeah, it, It's always interesting because you want to find – one of the questions you always get is, well, what player is he like? And the problem is it kind of clouds your judgment because you kind of, moving forward, always have that player in the back of your mind. So you're trying to find guys with good comparisons. You don't want to just you know, have them be like a third-string guy in case we draft them in the first round. Then you're like, well, you just compared them to so-and-so. And it's like, why are we supposed to get excited about them? Yep. So you want, you want to find some nice comparisons here. And uh, I'll start things off this week here. All right, start All it right. off. So this is one that I, I felt good about back at the Combine. And it was something that was already percolating in my, in my mind because I was already thinking of this exercise for this week's edition of the podcast. And it kind of was cemented when one of the graphics displayed a comparison during the broadcast. And it was Tennessee's Derek Barnett, the defensive end, and our own Brandon Graham. And if you start with similar frame, you look at Barnett's production at Tennessee – he was an All-America first-team selection this year with Miles Garrett. Kind of gone a little under the radar in the SEC because of some of the quality edge rushers the last couple of years. But he broke Reggie White's sack record uh, in school history. But he's not a dynamic athlete. He reminds me of Graham because of the way he just uses his motor and hustle to get after the quarterback. You know, he's not going to be a guy maybe who per se is like 
you know, keeping offensive coordinators up at night, how are we going to stop this guy? But to me, he would be the perfect complement to have opposite of Graham because you have two guys who you know are going to bring it each and every down and are going to be relentless in the way they get after the quarterback. So for those reasons, I think of when I think of Brandon Graham, I see Derek Barnett, the Tennessee defensive end. I actually had a player that also reminded me of, of Brandon Graham, okay. uh, another guy from the SEC, and that's Carl Lawson from Auburn. And every once in a while when I'm watching guys in the fall, I'll see a player and I'll be like, you know what, this guy kind of reminds me of an Eagles player or you know, really any player. But uh, I wrote down Brandon Graham back in, I want to say September, for Carl Lawson. And what I wrote down exactly was, reminds me of BG in a lot of ways, mainly because of his build, the way he moves, and also the way he wins. And the way he wins, Carl Lawson, is with his first step and also his leverage. You know, he's not a, a super freaky athlete, but I think that Carl Lawson has – uh, that ability to win with a speed-to-power move. He's got the ability to bull rush tackles into the lap of the quarterback, uh, and he's also got that motor that you really like to see and what we've seen from Brandon Graham throughout his career here in Philadelphia. So those were some of the traits that really kind of drew that comparison for me with Carl Lawson. But I absolutely see the, the Derek Barnett as well for a lot of the same reasons. Yeah, and guys, I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball here for my first player. And I'm going to go with Buda Baker, the safety from the University of Washington. We talk a lot um, about Washington's corners, but looking at Baker at safety, he reminds me of Rodney McLeod a little bit. And I know that Baker's been drawing comparisons to Earl Thomas. I know that was one that Mike Mayock talked about uh, during the combine. But I see some of the same things uh, in Rodney McLeod as well. Both players under six foot, you know, a little undersized playing back at safety, but they are not afraid to throw their weight around. They'll hit you over the middle. They'll come up and stop the run. Um, now, both players have a little bit different draft scenarios here because Rodney McLeod didn't get drafted. Buda Baker's probably maybe a late first, early second round pick kind of guy. Um, but I, I see that same kind of aggressive, you know, I'm going to come up and I'm going to pop you. That That's that mentality that both those players have. So I see a little bit of Rodney McLeod and Buda Baker. All right, so I'm going to go with the offensive side for my second player. And this is a guy who's out of the spotlight because of injury. We talked about you know, how injuries are impacting draft stock. And you know, I was trying to find you know, some of this compared to some of the starters on the Eagles. And I was looking at Zach Gertz, and I was like, is there a guy who's like Zach Gertz and Jake Butt, the tight end out of Michigan? Uh, when, you look, when you watch Butt, you see the way he catches the ball away from his body in the middle of the field the way he's able to move the chains, the way he's able to, you know, release as, as a slot, you know, off the line of scrimmage tight end, um, the way in the screen game that he'll take on defenders. There's a lot of this, a lot of similarities to that that I saw with Zach Ertz. I think Ertz is a little more athletic than Jake Butt is. Um, but it would have been interesting to see where Butt would have ranked in this tight end group because it's a very dynamic and talented group. And it seemed like early in the process, Butt would have been right there as – you know, a solid pros pro, second-round pick, just like Ertz was. I don't know where he's going to go because of the ACL injury, but my comparison there is Jake Butt to the Eagles, Zach Ertz. Yeah, that's a really interesting comparison for all the reasons that you said, and it's kind of holds true, too, with the my second comparison, and that's another player that when I watched him in the fall, I thought, you know what, he kind of reminds me of a current Eagles player, and, and that player is Zay Jones from East Carolina, who – uh, as I've said before, is everybody in the league's favorite second or third round selection. He is Merrill base. Reese's favorite wide receiver in this draft. Alex Merrill hasn't tweeted about any other receivers except for Zay Jones. Alex, I sat next to Merrill at the at the Alshon Jeffrey press conference, and the first person he brought up to me was Zay Jones. <laughs> it was the very first person he brought he brought up. Um, 
But Zay Jones, I mean, look, he's, he's a big kid. He's 6'2 and change. He's got long arms. He can go up and attack the football in the air. Uh, really reliable at the catch point. Um, but from an athletic standpoint, the guy that he reminded me of most, and this is before the Senior Bowl, before the combine and everything, was Jordan Matthews. Uh, and the reason why was because and I wrote down, I think they've got similar body types. I think they've got similar skill sets. And I think their future roles in the NFL as a big slot or potential backup on the outside is kind of similar from what I see for Zay Jones and what we've seen here from Jordan Matthews. Now, I do think there are slight differences. I think Matthews was probably a little bit better of a route runner coming out of Vanderbilt. I think Jones is maybe a little bit more consistent at the catch point than Matthews. But both guys, I think, very similar in terms of body type, uh, body type and usage at the next level. Yeah, and I'm going to stick at the wide receiver position for my final player here, and I'm going to compare Mike Williams from Clemson to Alshon Jeffrey. Isn't it great to talk about Alshon Jeffrey as a member of the Eagles? A couple days ago, we wouldn't have been able to talk about him in in this segment, so I just want to take a moment uh, to say how great it is to talk about (laughs) Alshon Jeffrey here on this podcast. But if you look at how they measured at the Combine and how they performed, very, very similar. Both of them 6'3". Mike Williams was 218. Jeffrey was 216. The vertical jump, Jeffrey a little bit better at 36.5 compared to 32.5. But the broad jump, 121, 122. So physically, they're, they're kind of the identical player. And the way that they play is very similar as well, too. Don't get a ton of separation on the outside, but they can go up. They'll catch those 50-50 balls. You know, a great fade route in the end zone, slant in the red zone, all those kinds of things. So I think that Mike Williams and Alshon Jeffrey, new eagle Alshon Jeffrey, Two very similar players. And the the big thing, if everyone remembers, when Alshon came out of South Carolina in 2012, uh, he did not run the 40 at, at the Combine, and everyone was anxious to see what he was going to run. Everyone thought, oh, he's going to be mid-4.5s. Could he go 4.6? There was a rumor that he might run 4.72, I remember, coming out. And then he went and he ran 4.48 at his pro day, and everyone was like, okay, now we're good. And everyone's kind of worried about the same thing with Mike Williams. So a uh, very, very interesting comparison there. So there you have it. Six draft prospects who remind us of current Eagles. That's going to do it for Pick 6. Now it's time for Mr. Irrelevant, the one and only Tommy Lawler. It's time for Mr. Relevant. This week's Mr. Relevant on the Journey to Draft podcast presented by AAA, none other than our good friend, Tommy Lawler, you read his column each and every week here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and he also runs the outstanding site, Eagles Blitz. He has grown quite a fan base over the years. Tommy, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun to come on and talk about our Eagles. Exactly, and we figure what a perfect time to have you on since it's the first week after the initial free agency surge. And the Eagles obviously upgraded the wide receiver position in a huge way, getting Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith in the nest. But when you look at what the Eagles could do with their first-round pick, Tommy, do you think wide receiver is out of the question with that first-round selection? Yeah, no, I think wide receiver is still definitely a possibility because you always want to draft with the thought of making your team better overall, and always you always want to draft thinking long-term. And Alshon Jeffrey is here on a one-year deal, and I'm sure the Eagles would love to, to keep him around for longer than that, but we'll see what happens. And, and Torrey Smith, you know, he's got a deal that, you know, there, there, there's a way to get out of that if things don't go the way exactly everybody would hope. So, listen, if you got a, a, a stud receiver right there at pick 14, and that's the best player, you need to go get that because Carson Wentz is going to be here for the next five to ten years. I mean, he, he is the center of your franchise. You need to get him weapons. They've got him weapons for 2017. Now we need the long-term weapons. 
And those guys, you know, Smith and, and Jeffrey may be here long term, but if you've got a chance to get an outstanding receiver at 14, I, I would I would jump on him in a heartbeat if he was the right player. Yeah, Tommy, I 100% agree. I definitely would not rule out a receiver. I think a lot of the people coming out of free agency, that was one of the first things that was said nationally was, all right, well, no more Corey Davis, no more John Ross, no more Mike Williams for the Eagles at 14. And I I disagree. I agree with you that it's very much still in play. It's still very much a possibility for the Eagles in that slot. Now, one other position that I think a lot of fans are very excited about, and rightfully so, is the cornerback spot. And after Howie Roseman made the reference back to the 2002 draft where you had Lito Shepard and Sheldon Brown go off the board, what do you think are the possibilities here for them to double dip early in this draft at the cornerback spot? And what would be the ideal duo for you? Who are two corners in the first, we'll say, two or three rounds that really kind of pique your interest from an Eagles perspective? Well, first of all, I think they would be smart to go ahead and draft a couple of corners. Uh, when, when you look tr- traditionally, uh, you're going to need multiple cornerbacks if you're going to be a good defense. And the Eagles in the last few years have struggled to draft and develop young corners. And this is uh, something that you, you can't just put it all in one player's there. If you spend a first-round pick on that guy, he's the answer. You need to really address, uh, attack the position with a lot of resources, find good players. And if you go back to what you know they're talking about, the Eagles had the best secondary in all of football, and then they spent their first three picks in, in the draft on you know Lito, uh, Lito Shepard, Sheldon Brown, and Michael Lewis. So they already had the best secondary, and they, they made it even better. But, again, they were thinking long-term, and that ties into what we were just talking about with wide receiver. Just because you're good now doesn't mean you should not look to be good in the future as well. And at corner, you can also spend multiple resources. From, so that one draft teaches us a couple of valuable lessons. Don't just look at the roster as it is now and say that we're set in stone. Look long-term and use multiple resources if you can see an area needs a youthful upgrade, and obviously Corner does. So um, the unfortunate situation here is that Sidney Jones would have been a prime target at 14. He uh, tore his Achilles at his pro day in Washington the other day, so that takes him out of the mix. And i got to be honest with you, there's no corner that I'm in love with right now at pick 14. There's some corners I have interest in. There's nobody I'm in love with. You look at Marlon Humphrey from Alabama, had a really good combine, had some terrific highlights. I mean, he's a physical player. He's a tough player. But his coverage instincts worry me a little bit. I've, I've got to watch more tape of him and say, hey, is that the 14th best guy in this draft? And then uh, there's a kid named uh, Gary Ann Connolly from uh, Ohio State who had a terrific combine. He was just looked outstanding. And he played opposite a guy named Marshawn Lattimore. And Lattimore, in my mind, is the best corner in the entire draft. So a lot of eyes went on, on Lattimore. So Conley's the guy I've got to watch more of to see. You know, I knew he was a good player, but I think at the combine you've got to say he looked sensational there. You see a guy that maybe is somebody that's going to you know, jump up and be worth pick 14. That's something we've got to figure out. But uh, I, you know, I've got to tell you, if there's some way that the Eagles could find, if, if they drafted one of those guys in the first round, if there's any way they could get Tredavious White in the second round, that's something I would love because White, you know, we saw him down at the Senior Bowl, and he's a guy that can play in the slot. He can play outside. He has good ball skills. He's tough. He comes from LSU. They put out a lot of good defensive backs in recent years. So, uh, you know, if you could get him there, that would be a fantastic, uh, you know, uh, coup to pull off. And in the second round, if the Eagles, you know, if let's say they don't take a corner at 14, a guy that fascinates me is Tease Tabor from Florida. Now, we originally thought he was going to be a first-round pick, but he ran poorly at the Combine. Got a couple of off-field things you got to figure out. 
But if that guy's on the board in the middle of the second round, that's somebody I would have a hard time. You know, I'd have to think long and hard about him. And then a, a guy in the mid-round that I love, another senior ball player, is DeMonte Casey from San Diego State. Uh, had like 17 career interceptions, has great ball skills, a really confident guy, attacks the ball. And in this day and age, you know, if you you listen to Jim Schwartz talk, we'll give up a player or two. We need to make a player or two. And if you get a guy like Casey, he's a playmaker. Tommy, the defensive line has become a really interesting spot for the Eagles as well with Connor Barwin being released earlier in the week. And then just earlier today, we heard that Benny Logan is signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. So whether it's at defensive tackle or on the outside at defensive end, uh, are there any players in particular that you think would be really good fits for what Jim Schwartz wants to do on defense up front? Yeah, well, if you're talking about pick 14, there's not really a defensive tackle that I think is going to be on the board at that point. Uh, you know, in terms of defensive ends, Derek Barnett from Tennessee, guy just broke Reggie White's career sack record at Tennessee. Uh, you know, he's a fantastic player. He also is a, a smart player and a relentless player and fits kind of the description that you listen to Joe Douglas talk about, the kind of players that he wants to build the Eagles roster with. And I certainly think Jim Schwartz and Doug Peterson would be right on board with a guy like that. We're talking about defensive tackles. I think you're looking at more into the second, third, fourth rounds. And a guy that I love in this draft is Montrevious Adams from Auburn. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a good combination of strength and power, but also quickness and explosiveness. So he can play the run. He can eat up blockers if he has to, but he can also get into the backfield, be disruptive, affect the quarterback, make uh, tackles for loss in the run game. So that's a guy that I think highly of. I think he could be maybe a second-round target. Um, you look at a couple of other players, if you're looking beyond that, there's a kid named Elijah Qualls from Washington. Goes a six foot one, three hundred thirteen pounds. A really unique player because he's a defensive tackle, and yet at times they would stand him up in a two point stance and have him rush the passer off the edge. Well, we know Jim Schwartz is all about sacks and rushing the passer. Qualls is a unique defensive tackle, and he can do a variety of things like that. And he's an athletic guy for a guy his size, so that would be an interesting fit. And then Jaleel Johnson from Iowa is a guy that is a little bit bigger than him. And there are moments when he can be a dominant interior lineman. Now, he's not consistently dominant. That's why we're talking about him in the second, third, fourth round. Someone knows that area. If he was a dominant player, obviously, we talked about him earlier than that. But Jaleel Johnson is a guy that would be a, another guy that in a one-gap scheme could be a real interesting fit in Schwartz's scheme. Tommy, I know that we are just a week past the initial free agency surge, but do you have a dream scenario? for what you would love to see happen at number 14 for the Eagles? I'm still figuring things out. Uh, there, 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 there's no dream scenario written, written in stone at this point because, you know, if you go back a couple of years ago, it was only like in this area where I think I started to really fall in love with like Fletcher Cox and just had what a perfect, uh, you know, pick he was going to be for the Eagles and obviously turned out to be the, the pick. Um, so when you look at the draft board right now, the two guys that jump out at me are Derek Barnett, the defensive end from Tennessee, and Corey Davis, the receiver from Western Michigan, because they both are fit a, a position of need in terms of uh, a pass rusher and a pass catcher. But they're also they seem to fit what you hear about Joe Douglas, Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson, the kind of guys they want. You know, guys that are talented, but they're uh, they're successful, they're grinders, they're hard workers. They're, it's a complete package. These are not just athletes or not just uh, prima donna types or what have you. These, these guys are really good football players with size, athletic ability, the whole, the whole package. 
And uh, we'll see if there's a cornerback that jumps up there. But right now, Barnett and Davis probably the two that they really stand out as guys I'd love to see in Eagles green. Tommy, when you look at the linebacker position, the Eagles return their top three players from last year. They re-signed Najee Good. You've got Joe Walker coming off the, the torn ACL. Are there any linebackers, though, in this draft? I know it's not a particularly deep group at the position, but is there any that kind of catch your eye that could potentially fit the Jim Schwartz mold of the position? i got to be honest with you. I don't really know what he's looking for right now. <laughs> Uh, that's a spot where I'm not sure. I think this is going to be a year where we're going to learn because, you know, when they added the the players they did last year, we just got Joe Walker late in the draft. And, you know, so you, you've got – I mean, I'm curious to see, you know, Camus Bruiser-Hill, is he going to get a chance to earn more playing time on defense this year? Or is he strictly a special teams player? Uh, and if they try to draft somebody to be a backup at Sam Linebacker, well, you've got a guy like Nigel Bradham there who's 6'3", 240. Well, would they take somebody who's six foot one? You know, 230, or do you need to be 6'3", 240? So there's no real, there's no linebackers that I say are definitive matches for what the Eagles might want. I'm not sure what the Eagles want. I'm still trying to figure Schwartz out when it comes to that position. Tommy Lawler, he writes for us here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. He's also the editor of EaglesBlitz.com. You can follow his work at Lawler NFL. Tommy, it's a pleasure as always, and we will talk to you. Uh, probably in the run-up right before the draft to get your mock draft selection for the team. That sounds great to me. Let's make sure we get some more good players for them, get ready for an exciting season. Tommy, thank you so much. Now it's time for the unofficial visit. None other than offensive tackle Antonio Garcia. Alex had a chance to catch up with him at the Senior Bowl. The unofficial visit. All right, I'm joined by Tony Garcia, offensive lineman out of Troy. Tony, what do you want to accomplish here in Mobile, in front of these scouts, in front of these coaches? What do you want to take away from this week? Well, being that I came from Troy, a smaller school, I just want to go out there and show all the coaches that, you know, I can compete at the highest level and I can compete with the highest level of competition there is. Does that give you a chip on your shoulder? Do you play with that, playing with guys from some of the bigger schools? Uh, a little bit, yeah, it does. It's a little added incentive there, just proving yourself. What do you think the biggest strength of your game is right now that, that you really want to put on display this week? Um, probably just my athleticism. I want to go out there and show them how I can move and I can just make all my blocks. Going up against some defenders from, you know, you'll see some of the bigger schools uh, going up against you. Um, how's that been going for you so far in practice? Do you, do you feel like you really belong here with these group of guys? Yes, sir, I do. Uh, I, feel, I feel like I, I handled myself pretty well today. Um, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, I feel like I handled myself well. Have you gotten a lot of feedback from the coaches so far to this point? Uh, not really. The most uh, feedback I've gotten from them is just, you know, just remember your technique and your fundamentals and apply that. And what's really one part of your game that you really want to improve the most as we get closer and closer to the draft? What's something you're really working on? The thing that I need to improve most on would probably just like my weight. Uh, I weighed in at 293. I want to gain about 10 more pounds before the combine. So, yeah. And is that is that the weight that you played at, at Troy, or have you always kind of been right around there? Well, junior year I was a little heavier. I was about 302, but senior year I played around 290. Okay, so my final question for you here, Tony. Uh, when this week comes to an end, what do you want to have proven about yourself in front of these coaches? I want, I want the coaches to know that Antonio Garcia is a tough guy, you know, and he, he doesn't take anything, and he's going to – 
go out there and give you his all every time. Tony Garcia, thank you very much. Yes, sir. Appreciate your time. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. As we get closer to the draft, the questions just get better and better because I think fans are more locked in on what the Eagles could potentially do at number 14 and beyond. So let's get into your questions. At Jackson underscore Raheem asks, should the Eagles select Christian McCaffrey with the number 14 overall selection? Uh, I might be, you know, on an island with this, and I'm sure there. I know there are other people that feel this way. I would be perfectly fine with Christian McCaffrey at 14, like perfectly fine. And I know, like, there's the running back round one discussion and all that. I I love Christian McCaffrey, so if the Eagles were to go that direction, I would not be bothered whatsoever. Let's say all four running backs are available on the board all when the Eagles them. go so there. So Fournette, everybody. Would okay. you still be okay with the Eagles taking Ooh. McCaffrey 14 there? Here's what I will say. I will say that the. With a Leonard Fournette versus the other guys, Kamara, Dalvin Cook, McCaffrey, I think Fournette is the guy that you want to give the ball to, like Zeke, where you want him to, you want him to be the focal point. Whereas the other guys, and it was funny, I was just talking with um, with Cosell this morning about it, with Greg, and he, and Greg had just gotten done watching another back that we like, Justin Davis, who was supposed to be on the Shrine game, and he thinks that Davis can be a primary back but not a focal point feature back and he was talking about that's going to be a focus of their show uh this offseason will be the difference between a feature back a focal point of the offense and a primary ball carrier he thinks that a guy like uh like Justin Davis could be and I think that that's the difference between a guy like Fournette and those others where I think if you draft Fournette I think it kind of changes the way the Eagles play offense a little Mm -hmm. bit I think you have to kind of you know not necessarily take the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands, but you want to be able to get him the ball. You want to be able to get Fournette the ball 18 times a game at you know, minimum. I think with the other guys, if it's one week it's nine carries and the other week it's 17 and the next week it's 13, I think that's okay, and I, I think that McCaffrey fits that. It's a great debate because I wonder what, in a dream scenario, would Doug Pearson want to do? Is right. he fine? That's what it comes down to. Yeah. yeah. Is he fine with the... I don't want to say the by committee approach, and yep. you and Greg have discussed this on the podcast. You know, is he fine saying one week it's going to be Ryan Matthews getting the the bulk of the carries, the next week it's Darren Sproles. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's fine with that, then yeah, you can have a Christian McCaffrey there as your top guy. Mm-hmm. But if you want to have a feature back, I would think that's where you go with Fournette there. Now with McCaffrey, I mean he's an all around playmaker. Mm-hmm. I was so smooth running routes at the combine. Has a return capabilities. Yep. Who who had the Westbrook comparison? Uh, in the like in the media or I I have I've had, had it for a little bit. Have you had that? Jeremiah pulled a uh, pulled five GMs five feature, executives. Okay. Yeah, and one of them said or two of them said Brian Westbrook. You know, and Brian Westbrook was sort of viewed the same way. Westbrook was a third round pick, but he had some knee injuries in yep. Villanova. It was whether or not he could be the the focal point of an offense, but. Westbrook did so many other things that it's like, all right, you know, he's worth taking that pick. Well, you look at who used Ryan, Ryan Westbrook. It was Andy Reid. Right. You know, Doug Peterson comes from that same school. It almost seems like it could be a linear move there for the Eagles to bring a guy like him in. So at 14, might be a little rich, but for everything that you're getting and you know that's one of the spots you need to plug in, and from a character standpoint, Mm-hmm. You're not getting a better kid right. yep. than him. Yeah. 
I and mean, we've seen a lot of teams kind of go with that running back by committee over the past few years and have a lot of success with it. Look at the New, the New England Patriots. One week it's LeGarrette Blunt, the next week it's James White, and you never really know who it's going to be going into that week. And somebody goes out and has a huge game. Deion Lewis, another guy for them. So, and I think Doug Peterson is. is you know, I think he thinks along that same way, just the same way that he did with the Chiefs. So uh, I would, I wouldn't be surprised to see you know Christian McCaffrey go number fourteen to the, to the Eagles, and I think it would be a nice little fit too. What's Jonas Gray doing these days? Ooh, what did he have? Guy. Like one game with like yeah. two hundred and twenty yards? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Four touchdowns or something. He got an SI cover out of it too. Um, the other thing too, before we move on, is that. I think a lot of people, because I've heard a lot of this stuff, too, after last week with the free agent signings, and everyone said, oh, well, the Eagles never throw downfield. Why would they get two receivers in and Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith that are vertical? <laughs> Let's keep in mind, number one, that coaches are human beings, and they are able to change what they do schematically. Okay, so, uh, most, yeah, well, well, yeah, but if, that's a good point. But uh, um, <laughs> I think when you look at, at Doug Peterson, and what they did last year, you can't just say, oh, well, this is exactly what they're going to do next year. The teams right. uh, alter their approach all the time. So if, the, if, if Doug Peterson were to draft a Leonard, a Leonard Fournette, it's not like he would say, oh, well, he has to fit exactly into what I would do. Coaches are gonna, good coaches are going to go and say, all right, well, this is what Leonard Fournette does. This is what he does best. Let's try and foster that and, and kind of massage him into the, what we do and kind of find that marriage between the two. Next question here comes from at Braden Smith underscore to you. After Miles Garrett, who are your top three pass rushers in this draft? Who would fit the Eagles? Uh, for me, I, I like I like Derek Barnett, Charles Harris, and I'm on the fence. I want to say probably McKinley. I would say Dewan Smoot is in that discussion. You love Smoot. I would say Carl Lawson is in that discussion. I, I'm not. I'm on the fence on that third one, but definitely. Barnett and Harris there, and those can go can go in any order. I'm not 100 percent yet there either. Could could you go Hassan Reddick? See, I view Reddick for us. I view him as a middle linebacker. I think he's a stand up guy. I think he's a linebacker in, in a four three, with the ability to come and put his hand in the ground okay. and third. That's down. why I know maybe he provides that, you know, Vic Beasley type. Or that's what like, he would be kind of be. Yeah. You know, sort of like pseudo pseudo stand up linebacker, but you know, in pass rush situations, you have him come down that's why i know maybe he might fit into that mix as well yep do you guys think that defensive end is kind of going under the radar for the eagles definitely way under under the radar 100 percent agree i think it's a pretty big possibility everyone's talk corner wide receiver running back but defensive end with all the talent that's at the top of that you know at the top of the list it's a pretty real possibility even even before connor barwin being released i mean that was already an area where you said you know jim schwartz needs a strong defensive line like Mm. All right, you know you got Brandon Graham. What do you have after that? And there's That's... talented players in this draft. Like everyone says, like all oh, the like the Eagles lucked out because it's, you know they need corners, they need running backs, they need receivers, and it's strong across the board. There, it's strong at pass rusher too. I mean, it's much stronger than last year's group uh, with the amount of guys. I mean, we've already talked about some of those names, but even then, you go to that next level of guys, and there's you know the Tim Williams and the Terrell Bashams and the Ryan Andersons and Taco Charlton and Day Day Hall and. Uh, you know, Jordan Willis. I mean, there's plenty of pass rushers in this draft. Speaking of Jordan Willis, our next question comes from at John Monroe Jr. on Twitter. Would Jordan Willis be a good fit in Jim Schwartz's game? You know, I, I watched three games when he got announced for the Senior Bowl in the fall, and I did not see the player that I think other analysts have seen. Where the, a lot of I've seen some people think that he is like a top thirty-two prospect, and uh, you know, even though he might not get drafted that way, that he's like a really good second-round pick. 
I didn't see the level of athlete that what he showed at the combine. I mean, I, I thought that overall he was like a, a solid athlete. You know, maybe you could say an above average athlete. He tested like a freak show athletically at the combine. Um, he came in with above average size. I thought he had a solid week of practice in Mobile. Alex, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if that's what you saw too. I thought he had a solid week down there. Um, yeah, I think skill set wise, you know, from what I saw on tape, I think he could fit. He's a good run defender. Uh, he's got a high motor. I'm excited to go back through and make my final pass through all these pass rushers. That's why I'm kind of giving you not vanilla answers, but I'm not sure where I rank them all yet because I need to make one final pass through. Um, but Willis is intriguing for sure. All right, our next question comes from at Troutman Zach on Twitter. Assuming no receiver or corner in the first round, is it unrealistic to see us taking an, off, an outside linebacker in the first round? How about a defensive tackle or defensive end? So Talk about the DN, yep. Here's one scenario. What about Jonathan Allen from Alabama? You know, Benny Logan, We as we're filming this podcast, we learned that Logan signed a one-year deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's a spot that the Eagles are going to need to address at some point. Jonathan Allen was discussed as a top two, top five selection at the beginning of the draft process, and it seems like from his combine workout to maybe teams are just, you know, pass along their their reports to members of the media. He's taken a little bit of a hit in terms of draft stock. If he's there at 14, is that a way that you could go? Well, this is why. This is like Exhibit A. And you look at the Laramie Tunsil situation a year ago yeah. in Miami. This is Exhibit A as to why every team does work on every single player because you never know. Everyone was talking about Jonathan Allen a month and a half ago as a top three pick and a top five lock. Um, you know, now people are worried about the shoulders. There's all the reports about he could have arthritic shoulders and that could have caused him to drop. He came in smaller than people thought. He was not the athlete that people thought. He's only six, he's under six three. He's 286 pounds, which is light. So, in a four three scheme like the Eagles, is he going to be a full time defensive tackle or is he a base defensive end that slides inside? You know, kind of like what, uh, what Vinnie Curry has kind of become. You know, is that what Jonathan Allen is in, in this scheme? Um, and that's going to be the big question, not just for him, but Solomon Thomas, Malik McDowell. I mean, McDowell came in under 300. Solomon Thomas came in under 275. All three players, I think, you know, there's outside shots that even two of the three could be available when the Eagles pick at 14. Uh, and I think you have to have that discussion with, with all of them is what are they in base down? We, all, we know, all of us know that it's a sub-package league and everybody, when they're in nickel and they're in dime and, and what guys can do in those situations. But when you are in base, when it's first and ten and you think that the, the team could run the ball, where is Jonathan Allen going to line up in the Eagles' 4-3 scheme? And I think that's a viable question. Fran, I'm glad that you brought up Laramie Tunsil because I think that's the perfect example for this. Yeah. Because if you think about the Miami Dolphins last year, when they trade back to number 13, you're probably thinking there's no way that Laramie Tunsil falls that far. And then, you know, crazy circumstances obviously last year with Tunsil but something can happen where a guy starts sliding and sliding and sliding and if you don't do your research on this guy because you think he's going to go at the top of the draft you end up shooting yourself in the foot so you know it's a perfect example and I'm glad he brought it up so if a guy like Jonathan Allen falls the Eagles aren't going to say oh well we didn't you know we didn't study him that hard we didn't think he was going to fall they're going to be ready for all these guys no matter what happens absolutely all right last question comes from at RJ Field 11 is 14 too high for Gary and Conley? I think we've already touched that on that. Part, yep. Here's a second question. How do Mixon, Joe Mixon, and Dalvin Cook compare and contrast from a strictly on-field skill set standpoint? Um, so one thing that I think is interesting, I went, I've been going through the running backs hardcore since the combine ended, and I went and I did both players again, Cook and Mixon. I think that Mixon, on-field Mixon, 
We all know the off-field, so it's not even worth getting down that road. I think on-field Mixon is a little bit overrated. I think some people say, like, oh, he'd be the number one back in this class. I, I don't think that's true. I do think that Leonard Fournette is better than him on the field. I think Joe Mixon is still a player that, I mean, you're kind of gauging whether or not he can be a full-time back. I mean, he only carried the ball 20-plus times twice in his entire career, um, only a, a two-year player as a backup there uh, in Lincoln Riley's air raid offense there for the Sooners. But, you know, Mixon is a guy that – Athletically, he's got everything you want. He's got the burst. He's got the change of direction, like we've seen with Dalvin Cook. Athletically, I think that there are certain areas where you can look at them and say they're comparable. Mixon tested much better than Dalvin Cook. I think some people you heard little murmurs about, oh, you know, Cook might be a little bit stiff. He might not look very good in the agility drills, and he didn't at the combine. Didn't run as well in a straight line as what people thought. I mean, people thought that he would be a low four four guy. He ran four five, um, but Dalvin Cook. I think both guys are a little bit hesitant as well in terms of their vision. So there are there are lots of ways you can compare both players. I think both players uh, are a little bit their visions a little bit up and down. I think athletically everything's there that you want. I think and you just have the off field issues as well. So they're they're comparable from an on field perspective. Well, are either of them focal point running backs like we were just talking right. about, or are they you know you're not going to design your offense around giving them the ball 25, 30 times a game. Well, I think that Cook is not built like a theoretical focal point. I think Mixon is built like one. I just don't know that he has the vision to be a particularly effective one. You know, everyone says, oh, he's really, really patient. I think he toes the line between patient and indecisive, and I think he's on the other line of indecisive. Interesting. For me, I'm almost out on both of them because of the off-field yeah, stuff. Right. That's, so, I mean, that's, that's the decision you've got to make yeah. on, on both. So that's going to do it for Draft Mailbag as well as this edition of the Journey to Draft podcast presented by AAA. A special thank you to Tommy Lawler from Eagles Blitz for joining us here as well as our interview with Antonio Garcia from the Senior Bowl. Fellas, it's been real. Absolutely. So hopefully you're enjoying this uh, during the snow day. We're taping this beforehand, but we're kind of uh, going on a limb and feeling like I think everyone out there, uh, at least in the Philadelphia region, will be uh, enjoying a snow day on Tuesday. So hopefully you're able to uh, sip some hot chocolate. Stay safe. Stay warm. Indeed. So for Fran Duffy and Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. You've been listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA.